0: For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. Open in your Bibles with me this morning to Genesis chapter 3. Just a few verses here. I want to thank Pastor Matt and all of our accompanists and our wonderful choir. All the people doing sound and media and all the little parts and cogs and gears that make something like today possible. Should we? Can we show them our appreciation this morning? There are lots of Religions in the world. It might be an understatement of the year. There are many, many, many religions in the world. Many philosophies. Someone says, "I'm not religious. I'm spiritual, or I follow a certain philosophy or a certain worldview." There's plenty of options to choose from. It's a whole buffet of so-called truths, religions, philosophies, worldviews, whatever it is you want to call it, whatever it is you want to call it. We're doing today. You have options. Take your pick. So when we come to a setting like this, a church, to hear this story, to sing these songs, to open this book, to hear these words, we must stop and ask ourselves, what is so unique about the Christian gospel? What is so unique about what we call Christianity, the way of Jesus Christ? What is so unique about Christmas? Amongst all the other holidays and festivals this time of year, what is so unique that stands out about Christmas? Because only the gospel of Jesus Christ and only the story of Christmas gives us a God, gives us a prophet, gives us a teacher and a king that is not merely up there demanding from you. Every other religion, every other worldview... Every other so-called truth in this world gives you a deity, a teacher, a prophet, a leader, a book, a religion, a set of rules that is up there somewhere demanding something from you. But the Christian gospel and the story of Christmas is entirely different. Because in this story, we are presented with a God And a Savior who isn't merely up there demanding from you, but who came for you. We're presented with a God. Can you imagine this? A God who was born as a man for you. Can we even begin to wrap our minds around that central truth of our faith this morning? That the eternal God who was with God and who was God became flesh in the person of the man, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that story of Christmas, that story of the Christian gospel does not begin there in the New Testament. If we used our physical Bibles anymore and we turned to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you would see that we're there just past the middle of the Scriptures. The story doesn't begin there. The story begins way before that. The story begins way back in the beginning. Look with me at Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, and hear the the Lord's response to his fallen creatures. The first part of chapter 3 is the fall. Mankind disobeys God. They take the fruit. They're deceived by the serpent, and they disobey their creator. What does God have to say to this fallen creation? Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? In man's sin and man's rebellion here at the start, I remember a particular video clip by one of my favorite teachers and preachers, R.C. Sproul, in which he's doing a QA and a with the audience. And someone in the audience asked the question, why is God's punishment on Adam and Eve so severe? In other words, such a little sin. Taking a bite out of a piece of fruit, such a little minuscule sin. And the question comes, why is God's judgment so severe? Physical death, spiritual death, condemnation, the fall of all humanity. Why is it so severe? And I remember in just a characteristically R.C. Sproul fashion, he sits back in his chair and you think he's going to be funny, but he lashes out at the audience and says famously, what's wrong with you people? Here is a creature made from the dust spitting in the face of his creator a creature made from the dirt that would have no life and no breath except for this creator and he hears the law and he spits in his creator's face and says no I'm going to do it my way and then we would dare ask why is the punishment so severe in the fall we're condemned in our sin we're condemned justly under the wrath of God but it's interesting that the first thing that God says after the fall is not, how could you? It's not even the, why did you do this yet? But as mankind realizes their sin and their depravity and Adam and Eve realize their nakedness and they're ashamed and they run and they hide from God, God appears with his grace and his love and his mercy and he asks, where are you? What would be appropriate is that this creature rebels against their creator. This creature rebels against the deity, the higher power, and then comes sudden and immediate death. Yet here from the start, this story is different. Because here from the start, this story begins with God coming down. Not to destroy, not to annihilate, but walking in the cool of the day asking, where are you? Will there be consequences for this sin? Absolutely. Will there be consequences for the fall? Yes, we read part of that today in our readings through the lessons in the scriptures. There will be consequences. There is the curse. There is the fall. There is sin. There is condemnation. But there's also this promise. Because in Genesis 3.15, God promises that a seed from the woman will come. And that this seed of the woman, although his heel will be bruised, will in turn bruise the head of the serpent. And there from the beginning, in what we call the first gospel, we see this promise of hope and deliverance and salvation through one seed of the woman. And whether we realize it or not, what's going on here in Genesis chapter 3 is the Christmas story. Mankind lost Fallen in sin, cursed under God's righteous wrath, wandering in our darkness, hiding in our sin and our shame, and yet into that darkness comes God's light. In fact, John 1 verse 9 frames the Christmas story in this way. The light was coming into the world. And who is that light? Jesus who John says in John 1, verse 4, is the very life and the light of men. And Jesus, who is that light, who was very God of very God, becomes truly man and comes as the light of God into this dark, sin-broken world. He comes to us. He is born to us. But he doesn't just come to us. And he's not just born to us. He is born for us. He is born for you. When he came in Bethlehem. Amidst our sin and our mess. And our darkness. That was God coming into the world. Asking. Where are you? Not to chide. Not to scold, not to condemn. John chapter 3 verse 17, Jesus says, I did not come to the world to condemn the world. There is a day of judgment coming. There is a day of God's unmitigated wrath and judgment coming upon this earth and upon all those who have refused to bow the knee to Jesus. That day is coming, condemnation is coming, but it wasn't that day. Jesus said, I did not come now to judge and to condemn. I came now to save. God comes into the world in the person of Jesus Christ, into our mess and our nakedness and our shame and our sin and our brokenness, to ask, where are you? Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, summing up his mission. This is why the Son of Man came into the world. To seek and to save that which was lost in christ god himself comes to us and says to you this morning where are you we weren't looking for him do you realize that's the story of christmas that we weren't looking for him Paul says in Romans 3, no one seeks God, no one was seeking after him, no one was chasing him, no one was trying to find him, and yet God comes looking for us. This morning in your sin, in your shame, in your death, in your curse, amidst the pain and brokenness of this world, God asks you today, believers and unbelievers alike in this room, God asks you, where are you? Maybe you're in the room today and you're not a believer. For whatever reason, you've heard the story, you've heard the gospel, maybe you were raised in a church like this one or some other that preached a similar story about Jesus and his death and his resurrection, and you've rejected it. Maybe you never accepted it. Maybe you belong to a different faith or a different philosophy or a different worldview. Maybe you don't buy into any of it and you say, this is just all there is, there's nothing more than this right now. I don't know where you are or what you believe or what you think this morning, but the same question comes to you from God that came to Adam that day in the garden. Where are you? If you are a believer in this room today and you're just far from God, maybe church has not been a priority for you and your family. Maybe you've neglected your Bibles, maybe you've neglected prayer. Maybe you're just far from him in your heart. Maybe it's a season of darkness, and for some unexplainable reason, you just don't feel the warmth of the presence of God like you once did. The joy of your salvation seems so distant from you. I don't know where you are, believers, in the room today, but God gives you that same question. Where are you? And as God comes to Adam, and as God comes to you today and asks, where are you? The promise is the same on the other side of that question. He comes and asks you, where are you? Even as he calmly tells you this morning, here I am. Come to me. Maybe you picked up your bulletin this morning and you were looking through the songs and twice you see the title, come all you unfaithful and thought it was a typo. How many times we, we were practicing with the musicians or the choir and we would say, okay, this is the song, come all you unfaithful, and you say, is that right? I it was, oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. And there is a season of joy and there's seasons of triumph and victory in which we come boldly before the throne of God and we're confident in our salvation and everything is going right in our lives. But I think so much more often we're broken we feel lost we feel distant from God maybe unbelievers in the room say man I am distant from God I don't even believe any of this and how often we need to hear God's invitation that it is not oh come all you righteous oh come all you who have it put together Oh, come all you who have your lives together, whose marriages are perfect, whose children are perfect, whose jobs are perfect. Come you who have not sinned this past week or this morning or in the past hour. Come you righteous, come you well. That is not the invitation of the gospel. The invitation of the gospel is precisely that. O oh, come all you unfaithful to the faithful one that is the unique story of Christmas and the Christian gospel. That we are unworthy. That we are unfit. That we do not have it together. And yet God still says to us, Come. You are unworthy this morning. You are sinful. We are so deserving of God's wrath. We are the unfaithful, but because he is faithful to fulfill his promises, he sent Jesus, sinless man fully God and fully man, to die on a cross and to bear the weight and the wrath of your sin and my sin, to be buried and to rise again literally and physically on the third day so that that invitation can be extended to you here 2,000 years later. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The last verse of that song that the choir sang And that we're going to close with today, O come, all ye unfaithful, invites us, O come, though you have nothing, come, because he is the offering. That's the story of Christmas, that we have nothing to bring him. We had nothing to offer him, not even a song on a drum. We had nothing to bring him, nothing to offer him, nothing to give him, and yet he still comes to us and says, where are you? Here I am. Come to me. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you that in the fullness of time, you sent forth your son, born of a woman born under the law so that we who are under the curse of the law might find adoption as sons through him. God, we give you thanks and praise and worship this morning as the God in the face of his unfaithful creatures, his sinful, broken, rebellious creatures is nevertheless faithful to his promise to bruise the head of the serpent and to exalt that one seed of the woman forever and ever. God, we thank you that in the face of Jesus Christ, we see that redemption. We see that salvation. We see that promise. And in the voice of our Savior, we hear your voice asking us this morning, where are you? God, for unbelievers in this room this morning who have rejected you, who have rejected this message, who reject the Bible, who reject Jesus for whatever reason, I ask that right now by your Holy Spirit, you would break their hearts and their minds and their wills And you would bring them to faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. God, for believers in this room this morning who are broken, who are far from you for whatever reason, I ask that you would help us to hear that same invitation. Come, all you unfaithful. Come, there is no need to hide. Come, though you have nothing because you have given us the offering in your son, Jesus. God, draw us close to the throne of our Savior this morning and help us there to hear his voice saying to us in our lostness and our pain and our sin, here I am. Come and find rest in me. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.